What's up? It's episode 105, Pain Points of Wealth, and the economy continues to chug along. We had retail spending. It's up, even with record higher inflation. And we're starting to see on the ground floor inflation coming down. Unemployment's still strong, yet every economist on strategist still says we're going to fall off a cliff. Well, we're going to address that issue today. And we've seen a huge rally in the global markets over the course of the last couple of weeks, specifically international. Should you be playing that in your portfolio? Well, we're going to break it down for you. Check it out. We got a great show. Welcome to the Pain Points of Wealth, the podcast that addresses the pain points that come with creating, growing, and sustaining your wealth, giving you a multi-generational perspective from three pains in a pod. Bob Payne, the boomer, Chris Payne, the millennial, and Ryan Payne, the generation somewhere in between. You know, guys, I mentioned on my market commentary last week that literally just a month ago, the Dow was trading at 29,000, and here we are close to 34,000. You know, you can do the math. That's a gigantic rally. And, you know, you go back and you watch the pundits on TV, they're still saying the same thing. Well, you know, I wouldn't be invested here. Well, you weren't invested a month ago. You missed it already. Well, you know, I was recording this. The S&P 500 is teetering on 4,000. And I heard one of the Citigroup strategists today on CNBC, and his target for the year, of course, was 3,900. Like, wow, really go out on a limb there and say markets are going to make a big move here. So I suspect with everyone being so timid, especially those Wall Street strategists, there's a probably good chance. Now, don't quote me on this, that we could see a pretty healthy end of the year rally here just because of the pessimism is still so high. Well, you know what? I went to see a fortune teller this week to find out what's going to happen with the markets, and they suggested I talk to a Wall Street analyst. I always wondered about that. You know, as I'm up in New York, it's 36 degrees, a little chillier than it was in uh, Florida yesterday. And you, know, you see all these fortune tellers in New York, and I always tempted to go in and find out you know, what the market's going to do next year, but I don't think I'm going to get a very good insight. Yeah. Well, I think what's interesting is, I mean, what we always talk about is the surprises are in the positive. It's kind of like the, what you can't factor in are the unknown unknowns, right? If it's a known unknown, that's not a big deal. If everyone's talking about it, it's probably factored into equity prices to some extent. But like, you know, last week we had those inflation numbers come out and everybody was pessimistic on them, including myself. I figured, you know what, inflation is going to take longer to come down than we initially thought. It's probably not going to be a great number. And then bam, came in much lower than expected. And man, oh man, did we see just a massive, crazy market rally, very similar to when we had that vaccine news two years ago. And it's just a reminder, like those big moves up in the market are never predicted ahead of time. And if your cash isn't already allocated in the markets, like you missed it. Sorry, you're never getting that back. You know, a client of mine sent me one of the newsletters that he subscribes to. And the author of this particular newsletter goes on to say that this current leveling off of CPI is, is not really indicative of what's going to happen. He thinks interest rates are going to continue to go up. Therefore, saying that it's not the good time to be invested. You should sit in cash. Well, here's the thing. The market is a very complex place, right? And, and all the events are random, which, you know, no one can predict these random events, how they're going to turn out. There's a lot of good things happening. I mean, you know, everybody's focused on the Fed Reserve, obviously, and they keep talking about how hawkish they are. But meanwhile, if you talk to people on the ground and they're actually in business, you're seeing inflation start to come down. And one of the big things that I don't think has been noticed is oil's been dropping since it peaked in June and gasoline prices are coming down. Now, oil is a tax on everything. Everything you own, everything you buy, everything you use, oil is a component. So oil keeps coming down. That's like having a gigantic tax cut, not just by the U.S. government, but by every government on the planet. 
Dad, you can see the relief wash over Ryan's face as it's costing him a lot less money to put gas in his Rolls Royce. Well, I heard Chris was so, so in the future that everything he wears is manufactured in a solar power manufacturing plant. So therefore, it takes him like 20 years to get a new shirt. But I digress. But no, no, no. I think the point there is right. Even every factory, rather, they have an energy bill every month, right? Everything gets transported around the US. They're paying oil prices. So you know, it's a great point. When oil goes down, it basically filters into everything else in terms of price. And that's huge. And meanwhile, rents, which is a huge component of that consumer price index number, and it's a lag, that's actually starting to come down like in real time. And that's not going to show up in those inflation numbers for months. So we already have a purview into the future. And the future says inflation is going to come down a lot, which brings us to the Federal Reserve. If inflation numbers keep dropping, they can't be as hawkish. They have to pivot. They have to change their tune. You know, guys, we are all around for the Great Recession, the horrible bear market of 2008 and 2009. And one of the things that I really became aware of was how inept people are in our government, right? You had all these geniuses, supposedly, from Ivy League schools, from Wharton, from Harvard, who were working for Goldman, and suddenly were, you know, Secretary of Treasury, and, and they were, you know, making all these policy decisions. And with hindsight, you know, if you study these issues, you find out they were making it up every day because no one can know, right? The market is smarter than everybody. And so when you think, oh, the Federal Reserve is going to get it right, well, they got it wrong a year ago. They got it wrong so far. You go back to the history of the Federal Reserve, everything they predicted is typically wrong, right? I trust the markets. And the markets are telling us right now, things are a lot better than everybody thinks. Well, you know, I heard a rumor that they're actually going to change the name from Goldman Sachs to Government Sachs. They probably should. They probably should. I mean, there is something, yeah, there's something wrong with that, right? It sounds like there's a little too much influence, should we say, from one of the biggest financial institutions over government. But that's a story for another day. I just wish they'd stop calling their clients Muppets. It is. That's condescending, Bob. I don't like that kind of talk on our podcast. That's what they did, buddy. That's what they did. We're men of the people. So we love all people and retail investors. Yeah. And Ryan hasn't cut the coffee budget in the office yet, too. So we're real happy about that. Oh, it's coming. It's coming. Patience. But you know, it's a great point because you know, right now, specifically, you know, we're talking about we don't know what's going to happen next. We know what's going on. But one thing I do know is what we don't expect is going to happen, right? And you know, we've seen this with the, I call them the pandemic hangover trade at this point, right? We've seen disruptive technology. It's just still getting slaughtered here, even as markets are recovering. And I think one of the most obvious trends in the world is emerging markets, right? You look at the emerging markets right now, they've been growing faster than the US in terms of growth, profits growth since like 1995, yet their stock market is in the same place it was in 2007. So, you know, there's a lot of places you can be allocating your capital right now that are dirt cheap, that are poised to rise in the future. Meanwhile, you're seeing a lot of investors do the same thing. Let me double up on my big tech trade. Let me just add a little more money to Bitcoin at 16,000. And meanwhile, the most obvious trend in the world is emerging markets, biggest populations in the world, growing faster than the US, trading dirt cheap. It's like, duh, put your money there. Well, you know, right to that point, I was taking the train back from New York last week and I was talking to a guy in the train and he was telling me that every time Google or Amazon or Apple dips, he calls up his financial advisor to have him buy a whole bunch of it. I didn't have the heart to tell him that that's probably not the greatest trade in the world because it's probably going to be years before he starts to see any real return. Well, you know, guys, this is the kind of market where you have, I call it the yeah, but market. You know, when you talk about China being one of the largest economies in the world, even though the population of India is going to actually pass China in terms of population growth very shortly, and maybe their economy as well. But, you know, China has a huge impact on the global economy. And, you know, you'll say, well, they're going to stop their COVID restrictions at some point. Because you, know, you say, oh, you know, China's going to have a big impact. They say, oh, yeah, but they're shut down for COVID. 
Well, we were shut down for COVID, right? Are we shut down for COVID anymore? Well, guess what? The Chinese won't be either. And it's going to have an enormous impact. And, you know, when you think about China's been shut down, Europe obviously may be in recession already. But of course, that's why the prices are so good. That's why the dividend yields are so high. And that's why people aren't willing to pay more than 10, 11 times for future earnings. Yeah. And I heard a really interesting statistic there. I didn't realize this, but General Motors sold more cars in China last quarter than they did the U.S., and I think it's just a reminder that we all want to do business together. And I know there's political issues that have to be ironed out with China, and there's definitely issues about transparency. And you know, I think all that stuff does need to be addressed. But at the end of the day, China needs the U.S. The U.S. needs China. We all want a global economy. That's what makes things work. So I think if you're going to make a bet about the future, we're probably all going to do a lot more business together. It's not going to be the opposite. There's just too much money invested, and there's just too much opportunity for everybody to benefit. And I think that gets lost in the narrative. Well, I can't agree more. And I don't know if you guys noticed, but there was a cryptocurrency company went under last week. And there, you know, I always had this one concern because when we had the real estate bubble, which everybody could see except for the people that were speculating in the real estate bubble, as we've been warning you folks for years now about this bubble in cryptocurrency, you know, our fear was what would the impact be when it unravels? And so far, it doesn't look like it's going to have any impact. Like you said, Ryan, Europe and the rest of the global economy rallied almost 20% in the last four weeks. So I think that this cryptocurrency is not going to have the impact that I feared that it would with people losing, I mean, literally hundreds of millions of dollars. Well, let's put that in perspective, right? The global markets are about $100 trillion. I looked it up. It's real. And if you look at now the capitalization of crypto, which from $3 trillion, it's only like two to $300 billion now. I mean, literally, it's a pittance in the sea of financial markets. So it's irrelevant when you get down to it. Meanwhile, people still want to put their money there. It blows my mind. Hey guys, I don't know if you knew this, but you know, we just passed the 8 billion mark on the global population of the world. And I went back and checked when I started in 1975, there were 4.5 billion people on the planet. So we've had an enormous increase in a number of people. But we were also trading about 700 on the Dow back in 1975. And here we are at 34,000. Now, maybe there's a correlation between population and the growth of the global economy ultimately the market, I'll tell you what, the future looks bright as far as I'm concerned. Hey, hope you're enjoying episode 105, Pain Points of Wealth. Bob, Chris, and I literally have a collective 75 years helping individuals just like you with your planning and investing. This is literally what we do every single day. Everything you hear on this podcast, along with some due diligence of your own, can help you get ahead financially at any stage of your journey. But if you're thinking you want a more hands-on approach and you've saved over a million dollars for your financial independence plan, me, Chris, and Bob will run for you our total financial master plan. We'll do that with no obligation or cost. We'll do a full holistic review where we go through everything. There's no other firm out there that will do this work up front. We'll build you your own personalized financial portal. We'll really look at every investment that you own, do a deep dive. Look at your diversification. Did you get hit hard this year with markets all over the place, extremely volatile? Or did you sit in cash earning nothing on your money as inflation now is at a 40-year high? We'll put together a full investment game plan, show you how to grow your money, but most importantly, protect it over the rest of your life. If you're nearing retirement, we'll put together a full income game plan, show you how to optimize social security, how to draw from your portfolio without running out of money, factoring in inflation, 
And we're going to look at fees and taxes. Wall Street loves to sell you high-cost products with lots of hidden fees. We're going to show you how to reduce that cost on annuities, mutual funds, brokerage products, investment products, insurance products, and show you how to optimize your portfolio for taxes. It's not what you make. It's what you take. We'll give you our full tax playbook. Literally, just go to www.paincm.com slash financial plan to see if you qualify for a free financial review. All right, it's the tipping point. This is where we pinpoint the pain point, of course, that's P-A-Y-N-E, having the biggest impact on your wealth right now. So Bob and Chris, in our boutique firm, Pain Capital Management, and all the families that we advise on their finances, helping them stay financially independent, what we found is when it comes to financial planning, sometimes it's good to take action, but other times it's better to maybe just hold back and let things play out. So though we could talk about sometimes when you should be taking action and not taking action when it comes to your financial independence plan. I'll take the first one, deferring taxes. And it really depends. So if you think about deferring taxes, you're putting money on a pre-tax basis to a 401k, 403b, the money grows tax deferred, and you pay taxes when you take it out. The big question is, and I'm seeing this now, especially with a lot of our baby boomer clients, they've saved most of their money in tax deferred accounts. And now they're taking money out. They're getting a take big tax bill right now. So it really depends. Well, I'll tell you a couple of things to consider. Two things, right? The only certainty in life, guys, is death and taxes. And First of all, there's two things you don't know. You don't know when you're going to die, although you know you are. And secondly, you don't know what your tax bracket's going to be in the future. But, you know, I think we got a pretty good clue. The way the government's spending money right now, I don't have a crystal ball, but I think we might be seeing higher marginal brackets in the future, specifically targeted at people like baby boomers who've saved a ton of money in deferred accounts. I mean, I think some of these politicians just salivate when they look at the balances in the 401k IRA portfolios. Well, we, when we call it that, right, it's your ticking tax time bomb, these retirement accounts, because at 72, you're forced to take the money out. And you're right, right now, historically, we're actually at very low marginal rates. So like one of the strategies we look at for our clients that you want to think about is, is it time to do a Roth conversion? Like maybe pay the tax on some of that money now, specifically if you're in a low tax bracket, and you can put that money in what we call a Roth IRA, where the money not only grows tax-free, you can take it out tax-free and so can your heirs. So it's great for your own personal finances, but also as a great estate planning tool as well. Yeah. Another thing to think about too is a lot of 401ks now offer a Roth component where you can make contributions on an after-tax basis that grows tax-free for life. You can also put a lot more money into them and you're not restricted by the amount of income that you have to be able to make those contributions. It's a good point, Chris. I mean, you can, you know, you can do a hybrid, right? You don't have to, it's not all or one. You don't have to put it all in a deferred account or all in the Roth 401k, you can split it. You, know, you can make those types of decisions. But I think it's clear, crystal clear, that you know, the only legal tax shelter available is to put money into these tax deferred accounts, whether it's a 401k or 403b or IRA. And you know, maybe you're retired or not working. It's a good idea to give to your children and grandchildren to allow them to maximize those contributions because they may not be yet at an income level where they can afford to do it. Wait a second, Bob. Can you repeat that last line again? I really liked it. Now, let's go to the next point, Chris. I'm tired. Of, you know, I tell you what, Beggy just makes you look so bad. Bob, I'm not too proud. Ain't too proud to beg, as they say. You know, another one right now when it comes to action, no action, is eliminating debt. And I think it's actually a trickier conversation than it used to be. Because at the beginning of the year, your mortgage, which typically is probably your largest debt, right? You're getting like a 2 3% rate, depending on how long you're going out. Now you're paying like 6 7%. And it really becomes like a portfolio decision. And with rates so much higher right now, I would say, unless you're locked into a lower rate, it might be better to start paying off debt and as opposed to mortgaging, maybe just paying out right if you have cash, because that's a real hard spread to get over long term if you're starting to borrow at like 6 7%. Well, 
Well, what I love about debt is you can do a real risk arbitrage, right? If you have a real low mortgage rate, if you're under 3%, you can invest your portfolio in a diversified, balanced approach where your current yield may be actually higher, you know, like your municipal bond yield coupled with your dividend yield. So, you know, in some cases, it doesn't really make sense to pay it down. But I always say reduce your debt down to the sleeping point. And I think that makes sense. You know, it's like what you're comfortable with. If you wake up in the middle of the night worried about your mortgage, then you should pay it down. You should pay it off. Yeah, no, peace of mind is a very big part of financial planning, no matter how you slice it. You know, the other big question right now is with markets being so volatile this year and being down is, do you readjust your portfolio? And I would say it depends because if you're in a lot of growth stocks, mega cap tech, like a lot of us are, if you're in a lot of bond funds, and we're already seeing this as the market is starting to recover, it's not the same names. The leadership is actually changing which says this typically happens when you have a lot of volatility. It usually is a good time to reposition your portfolio because when the tide rises again, it's not going to be the same boats that really perform as well, or I guess rise as well with the tide, if we're going to use that metaphor. Yeah. And another thing to take advantage of is, is saving money on taxes. So we talked about this in the past, there's tax loss harvest. So you know, selling anything in the portfolio that's at a loss, buying back something similar, using those losses against future gains and about 3,000 of your income for the current year. You know, guys, it's probably one of my greatest frustration the last two years is how many portfolios did we review, prospective clients, where they were way overweighted in growth? You know, they had all their money in NVIDIA or Apple or Google or Facebook, and they wouldn't cut it back because they said, I don't want to pay the capital gains tax. And we said the same thing every time, either you can cut it back or the market's going to do it for you. And, you know, you go to anybody's backyard, they don't have one section of the yard that's eight feet tall, right, where the rest of the lawn is all groomed, right? You cut it down. But when it comes to the portfolio, people are emotional and sad, but true, what we predicted happened, and all these portfolios got adjusted on their own. So like you said, Rye, you want to be proactive in rebalancing your portfolio at all times. Well, Dad, that's an interesting analogy about mowing the lawn. I can't remember a time in my life where I ever saw you mowing the lawn. Well, you know, Chris, why mow the lawn when you can watch college football on Saturday morning? Or nap for hours on end. Yes. Well, if golf is on, yeah, I, that's how I got my naps. Yeah, you need a golf lawn. You do make a good point. You know, actually, when you talk about taxes right now, long-term capital gains are still really cheap on a relative basis, right? You're paying either 15 or 20%. And for most of us, we're in a higher marginal tax bracket, meaning the one we pay our income on. So it's kind of like you have this window right now where capital gains rates are some of the lowest in history. You shouldn't be afraid to pull that trigger, especially if you have a concentrated position. You know, even if you're sitting on like a big mega cap name, and it still has a huge gain because you bought Apple 100 years ago, you should still trim back on it. And it's so hard to do it. But you know, what we forget is we can go through decades where whatever the hot stock was for the last 10, 15 years does nothing. And you don't know when that's going to happen. So like, take advantage of the fact that capital gains rates are low. Yeah, I love it, guys. You can't get a client to sell a share of Apple, any new client, but They'll get rid of their GE in a hurry. And GE was the apple of the 90s. It's amazing how, you know, history repeats all the time. You got to keep your emotions out of it. You got to balance your portfolio. You know, you got to be in it to win it. But there's no reason why you got to stick with every idea. All right. It's the hidden facts of finance. Random financial facts that may surprise you or even shock you. All right, Bob. India will have the highest growth rate of all countries over the next 10 years. And there are opportunities in parts of the Middle East, North Africa, although capital markets in these places are still very early in development, you got to have some money around the world. I think that's the theme of the podcast today, Bob. Absolutely is. I mean, we just announced, just announced the other day that we have 8 billion people on the planet 
And a lot of them are in India and China. I mean, China was the largest population. It was like 1.4 billion. And India just overtook their population in size. That's a lot of business. And I don't know about you, but I do know that when companies have a product, the more people you have to sell to, the bigger the profit margins are. Tell you what, you've got to have money in other markets. You've got to have money where the growth is. And it's not the good old US of A. It's only 50% of the world's stock market capitalization. You can't leave out the other half. It's kind of a simple equation, right? Population continues to grow, and we want to sell more things to more people. Story done. That's why you invest in stocks. All right, Chris, I got a good one for you. What to do? FTX, Vroom, DraftKings, and Coinbase all have one thing in common besides the fact they're down 62 to 98% so far this year. They all spent $6.5 million per 30 seconds for the Super Bowl ads only just less than a year ago. Lesson learned, buy assets and cash flow. The rest is just BS. Well, I've got two things to say about this. One, don't buy investments that are advertised in the Super Bowl. Two, I always say you get a better outcome with income. In this case, when you get no income, you get no outcome. Well, it is kind of crazy about like history repeating itself. I mean, back when you had that dot-com bubble, Bob, correct me if I'm wrong, didn't all the dot-com companies, weren't they like the biggest advertiser for all the sports teams back then as well, right before everything crashed? Not where they just advertisers, but all the stadiums. They paid for the claiming rights to have the stadium name you know, after their company. So we have a new indicator, guys. We know when to short the market. Let's uh, tune into the Super Bowl this year. I'll have some great ideas for everyone. I like that strategy. All right, Bob, since the inception date of 8-1-2001, you and I actually went back and looked at these numbers. Jim Cramer from CNBC, his Action Alerts Plus portfolio returned a cumulative 210%. Now, that might sound like a pretty good return, but you compare that to the S&P 500, the S&P 500 to 398%, 50% better. I thought that guy knew everything about stocks. He's on TV every day talking about them. What could go wrong? Well, it's pretty amazing, right? I mean, it's, uh, I was speaking to a friend of mine the other day who told me they have someone who's a big fan because they made a lot of money. Well, yeah, you made money over the last 10 years, but you had half the return for the risk you took. You didn't make anywhere near the money that you should have made. And these numbers that you're talking about came right off the Action Alerts website. They publish it. It's for there for everyone to see. I don't know. I guess booyah means we underperform dramatically. Hey, at least he's consistent, consistently losing money. That's right. Maybe that person took his ideas and shorted them instead. Maybe that's why they made so much money. You never know. All right. Well, another great episode. Hope you enjoyed episode 105, Pain Points of Wealth. If you like our podcast, love our podcast, you can subscribe right on iTunes. Give us that five-star rating. Leave us a comment. If this is on Spotify, you can subscribe as well. On YouTube, click that like key. You can click that notification bell to be updated every week of all our new content. And if you have a question for myself, Bob, and Chris, go to bebullish.com slash questions. That's bebullish.com slash questions. We answer all your questions directly, either directly or right here on the show. That's it. Stay loose and keep an open mind. Thanks for listening to The Pain Points of Wealth. Hopefully you found the ideas discussed in this episode valuable and useful for your own financial journey. You can find out more about Bob, Brian, and Chris's firm, Payne Capital Management, at BeBullish.com or through the contact information found in the description of this episode in your podcast player or app. Join us next week for another episode of The Pain Points of Wealth, brought to you by Payne Capital Management. Information provided on today's show is provided for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. 
Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed. Thank you.